minor league news and brews here and I uh, coming here with Jared Prugar from the Altoona Mirror. And I don't know if it's mirror or mirror. It's always a word that I've had trouble with. I don't know. So Jared could maybe help us out with that. But what he's going to help us out with tonight is what's going on down in Altoona. And there's something that's been bothering me this entire time. I mean, there's a lot of news going on. And you wrote about it a couple weeks ago. Leo Pagero. Leo Pagero. That's not what you were thinking, was it, Jared? I no, I thought for you. sure. Yeah, I, you threw me a curveball there. But I like it. I like curveballs. So, Leo Pagero, uh, when he started out last year, he had about 236. Uh, and then he came back. Back, I actually started out at 296, came back from Pittsburgh, hit 236. Beginning of this year, he's hitting about 230 something. He gets back on his horse, he's hitting 290 something. What's going on with Liver Figueroa right now, man? Like, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good question. And, and people, I think that was one of the things that people were worried about the most, right? Piguero and Gonzalez, Nick Gonzalez were supposed to be a package deal uh, up the middle. And then, you know, Gonzalez passes him up. And now he's in AAA and Piguero starts back in AA. And, of course, there's a little bit of a disappointment. But, you know, watching him go to Pittsburgh, play well enough to get to Pittsburgh, come back from Pittsburgh, and he just didn't seem right the rest of the year. And I don't know what – it was. I don't know if he was just pressing too much or just trying to get back there too hard. Um, and it just didn't seem right. It didn't seem like everything was clicking on all cylinders. And now this year, you know, he started out a little slow, but I think the biggest thing, and this is why I kind of wrote about it, is talking with, with Calix uh, Crab there, uh, the curve manager, is he's seeing the ball better. He's seeing the ball and he's driving the ball. You know, you can look at a lot of different things that tell you a a guy is breaking out or about to break out. And I think you look at the walk rate and you look at where he's going with, with pitches and you look at how hard the ball is coming off the bat. And Piguero checked a lot of those boxes. And now, I mean, the series against Bowie, he's, he's roping the baseball. And I think that's good for, for the curve, but especially, you know, for Piguero, who's, a guy that could and should be in, in AAA by the time the season's done. Yeah. And that's where the thing that comes for me is that like, I mean, he's a guy that is been on the 40 man for, you know, a decent amount of time here. And so like, when you look for a guy that's going to be called up and I, I was kind of, you know, snowballing it a little bit there, but it's like, I mean, he's like two thirty when he's not hitting two ninety when he is hitting. But the biggest thing for me is, I mean, everybody says the bat will play. Does the defense play? I mean, because that's what everybody will see with, like, you know, Uno Cruz. Can he make the plays? Could, you know, Leo Ropiero be a guy that could be a steady man at shortstop for the Pirates moving forward? I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, for him, I think really where he's going to see the field is at second base. Um, and that's where he's been getting a lot of reps for the curve lately. Um, he's been playing second base quite a bit. 
the defense has got to improve. I think the bat will play. I mean, when he hits it, he does hit it hard, and I think he's, you know, he's got that approach. But if the defense, the glove work can get a little bit better, I think he'll be just fine. It's just one of those deals where he's just got to pull it all together, and I don't think he's quite done that yet this year. Uh, and it's hard when when you're playing a different position and and it, you see things a little bit differently when you're on different sides of the of the infield. So I think that goes into it. But at the same time, you know, the curve are going to – or and the Pirates are going to put him into positions to succeed. And I think right now that is at second base. I mean, let's be real. When O'Neill Cruz comes back, shortstop is his. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Leo Pergueros is, is good, but he's not O'Neill Cruz good. So, it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, how things play out. But at the same time, you know – the easiest way to get on the field is a position that is, a, uh, is playing a position of weakness and for the curve, especially, you know, at, at the Pittsburgh level too, it's, it was second base and getting him at second base um, is going to be huge for him, you know, down the road. Yeah. And that's where like the pirates lay right now is, I mean, once you know, Cruz comes back, like shortstop is his position, but I'm going to, I'm going to move to the pitchers here at, at some point in time. And I'm, it's kind of tough because, like, Kyle Nicholas, he was in he was in Altoona last year, and he did not – I mean, he pitched pretty well. He showed up in spring training, and then he comes back to Altoona, and people look at the numbers, and the numbers are not great for Kyle Nicholas. I mean, when you look at it, you look for a a guy that could move forward. I mean, everybody's looking at, you know, Quinn Priester. They're looking at Luis Ortiz. They're looking at Johan Oviedo. Cal Nicholas. I've seen some adjustments from him. Tonight was actually a pretty good night for him. Unfortunately, the curve got, you know, no hit, but... For Kyle Nicholas, do you see him taking that step forward? I mean, that's a guy that I actually like a lot. Yeah, I think he's approached the game a little bit differently this year, and I think he's approached it in a way that shows growth. I mean, it's hard to evaluate based on statistics, especially early in the year, because there just aren't enough ways to to judge it. Because, I mean, you have one bad outing, and that just skyrockets literally everything. But I think the biggest thing for him is getting out of innings clean, and he's getting a lot of bad luck. I mean, there there are games, you know, in April, he gave up seven runs. None of them were earned. So, you know, you look at stuff like that, and there has been a little bit of bad luck at the same time. I mean, he, he did all right Friday night. Um, you know, three earned. Typically, that'll keep teams in the game. But, I mean, the thing with him is he's got to be able to finish. And he was the the guy that would get the two starts every series. So he would start Tuesday and, and go Sunday. Now he's back to once a week. And I think that's going to help him too, because that second start is always a start that isn't always good. You're not always going to go deep. You're, you're typically about 75, maybe even 65 pitches um, depending on how things go. But if, if he's able to do that, then, you know, see what he can do one start a week, get him back to, to where he should be. And I think he'll be all right. And then we got to look at another starter that came up from Greensboro, uh, Sean Sullivan. Sean Sullivan down in Greensboro. I honestly, I take the ERA out of Greensboro. I toss it to the side. I, I, I do every single time. 
In Greensboro, his whip was 1360. He had 84 strikeouts in 75 innings. This year, up in Altoona, to this point, is 1.157 on his whip. Has a little bit less on his, you know, strikeouts per inning, but Sean Sullivan is showing that he's he's putting it from different angles. Like he's uh-huh. he's up top, he's on the side. I think this guy, like he might be a surprise for a lot of, you know, Pirates fans. Yeah, and I think he's been a welcome surprise. You know, biggest thing is it's for him especially, opponents are only hitting 208 off of him, right? So he people aren't really getting on base. You know, the biggest thing for him, you know, you kind of look at the strikeouts, um, 24 strikeouts, only 11 walks. The big thing for him is being able to go deeper into games. And I know it's – you're loading up, like you're, you're building up um, well, typically throughout. So, I mean, now he's up to six innings more often than not. He's only got one win, which is absurd because, you know, opponents are, are only hitting like 208 off of him on the, on the year. I mean, they're hitting, he's throwing well. It's just, he's not either the game is tied or, you know, his last two outings, he's given up two two earned and either the game has been tied or, you know, luckily the other night he won. But, you know, you're right about the ERA in Greensboro. There are a lot of things in Greensboro that you can kind of toss out, uh, just the way that the ballpark plays. Um, but the biggest thing is his walks are down. His strikes are, are up a little bit from last year as far as the strike percentage. But he's been a he's been a welcome sight for, for Curve fans. And I think, you know, he makes things difficult for hitters. You know, by, by that – by that awkward arm slot because you think he might be coming from the side and then he comes about three quarters and it's just kind of, it, it, it's repeatable and it's repeated, but it's just kind of different than what they're typically used to seeing. Yeah. And I would, I would think right now, I mean, people are, I mean, they get anxious. They're, they're wondering what's going on in, in Greensboro, what's going on in Altoona. If you could think about a guy that could be the next person to come up, you know, from Greensboro or, you know, who could be the next person to come from Altoona to Greensboro, you know, from, from, uh, out from Altoona to, uh, Indianapolis, I would think of, you know, what is one guy that you would think would be go going from, uh, Greensboro to Altoona and who is one guy that you could think would be the first to go from Altoona to Indianapolis. Well, I think for Altoona to Indianapolis, my, I would probably go with Sullivan. Um, you know, I think just the, the body of work has been there. The results haven't always been great. But again, just like Kyle Nicholas, a lot of that I think can, can attribute to, to some bad luck. Um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of just got to roll with it. And that's, and that's what's unique about that. You know, everybody wants to say Henry Davis, Henry Davis, Henry Davis, and they're probably not wrong, but – Henry Davis is a player that needs to play every day and at Indianapolis, that's not going to happen even with Andy Rodriguez and him splitting time uh, at catcher. So, I mean, that's the, that's the, sh- that's the shame of it or, or however you want to put it. And we'll talk a little bit more. I'm sure about, um, about Henry Davis. It's the elephant um, in the room everywhere I go now, um, which is fun. It's fun to talk about. He's fun to watch. Um, so that's always um, a plus, but, you know, I would pick Sullivan as far as that. Now, as far as, you know, 
Greensboro, I think that's a little difficult because it, it's a launch pad down there. So pitcher stats are going to be inflated. Hitter stats are going to be uh, inflated as well. So it, that's always something that, that you kind of have to be cognizant of um, just based on, on what's going on there. Um, but selfishly, I want to see guys like Jace Bowen and Hunter Head and, and guys like that. Um, but I also want to see Chang too. I mean, he's got a, he's got a power tool that I don't think people are used to, um, which is good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're all kind of around the same area. You got, uh, Trey Gonzalez that I think has come on strong as well. And then you've got some Jackson Glenn action in there too. So, I mean, I I'm selfishly wanting to see Jace Bowen and guys like that. Um, so that would be my pick. But I also like the way that, that Trey, Trey Gonzalez has played. You know, he's sitting 327, only appeared in 13 games, you know, um, but 16 hits. So he's averaging over a hit, a hit per game, which is which is pretty solid. Yeah, and you, you see guys like in Greensboro, it's, it's – I mean, it's tough to, to now analyze the, like, what's going on with those guys because, I mean, is it – the launch pad that's going on there is, is it, you know, actually real, but here's the thing is I've talked to the guys down there and it's been, there's been a lot of things where it's like, you know, there's a lot of launch pads like that are outside of Greensboro. So, I mean, but you also have to take into account like a, a pitcher, like they're looking at different stuff. They're trying different stuff. There's different stuff going on for me. The Altoona outfield is extremely interesting. You have Matt Gorski. You have Lolo Sanchez. You have Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier, who a couple years ago was, you know, the minor league player of the year in the Pirate system. You have to... I think you have to see one of those guys emerge at some point in time. If you had to pick one of those guys, and I love all those guys. They all play very hard. They all prepare very hard. They all, you know, have at some point in time showed up. If you had to pick a guy that would have to go up to Indy out of those three guys, I mean, I'm going Gorski just because of recency bias. But no, I think Matt Frazier as well. I like Gorski because I think Gorski gets there last year if he doesn't hurt his uh, hurt his hamstring or his quad or his leg or whatever he hurt on his leg. Um, I mean, it, the hit tool plays. Um, you know, I wanted. To, I wish I could have saw him more for Altoona last year, but he gets hurt. You know. And that and that kind of sucks, but I have not been overly impressed with Matt Frazier um, since that year in Greensboro. He came up to Altoona and, and raked, but last year it, it just didn't click for him. I don't know if he's trying to press too hard to get back to that level, but at the same time, you know, outfield is as a position of strength. I feel in the Pirates organization at this point because you still have Jackson Winsky in the major league level. You have. You know, guys like Henry Davis playing the outfield too. Just kidding. Um, but at the same time, you got to, something's got to give and you got to get better. And, you know, that's, and that's what sucks about Matt Frazier is that it just hasn't, 
it hasn't started to, to snowball in the right direction yet. Yeah, Matt Frazier, I mean, he's a guy that, like, I mean, I had higher expectations for him at, at certain points in time. I mean, he had the handmade bone injury, and I we all realize that's a you know tough injury to come back from. Uh, he hit well. Uh, we've got Jack Triola, who's coming back from that as well. Uh, but, but I feel like that Pirates fans don't realize that certain players kind of stall out in double A. Like they don't realize like what happens to players and they play very well out there. And then at some point in time, like it, it just doesn't play at upper levels. Matt Gorski, I hope and you know think that he may play at a, a higher level but i mean guys get triple a you know you have malcolm nunez this year he's coming on now but you don't know what guys are going to do at that point in time but you mentioned a guy that may play right field may play catcher May play dh and that's i'm thinking that what most people are sticking around on this podcast to hear about is Henry Davis. I mean, Henry Davis has hit very well in a little over a hundred plate appearances during this season. Obviously when he hits well, he plays well on social media. I wanted to ask people, why they didn't want to share when Henry Davis had a one for four night, but you know, if they don't want to share that, they don't want to share that. Henry Davis is ready to hit in major league baseball. I don't want to like play against that. I don't want to, you know, I'm just kind of like playing with some people who, if he hits two home runs, they share it. If he hits one for four with, you know, a single, they don't share it. Henry Davis is a very good hitter, but I mean, Jared, right field, DH, center, you know, catcher, what is the immediate future for Henry Davis? The immediate future is catcher. He's going to get at least two games a series. They're typically going to be back-to-back and in right field. It gives his legs a break. It gives a chance to Dylan Shockley to catch. Um, and Dylan Shockley is a magnificent defensive catcher. I mean, he threw four guys out in the Curves' last homestand in a, in a single game against the Akron River Ducks. So they have two capable catchers. But it's also to get him some reps out there, which is by design. You know, there are some injuries with Indy being hurt and Shockley being up in a double A, or I'm sorry, in triple A, and Carter Bins being hurt. Henry had to play quite a bit behind the plate. So this is by design. Um, And I think, you know, there's a possibility of him playing both positions. I I think him and and Andy are are both athletic enough catchers um, where they can play multiple positions. I think Andy's a little bit more versatile. But at the same time, you know, Henry Davis is is more than adequate 
out in right field and it and the way that PNC Park plays, I don't think he's going to overly hurt them out there. Do I think he's ready for that yet? Hitting wise, yes. I think he's more than capable and able to to hit major league pitching consistently. Uh, maybe not at the 308 clip that he's hitting double A pitching, but it's it's the defense that, that needs work. It's the receiving. It's you know, Altuna lost in a walk-off, uh, walk-off wild pitch, which isn't his fault. The ball was spiked in the other batter's box. But, you know, a little bit more, a little bit of improvement, and I think he's going to be even better back there. And and I think that's the thing that, that people fail to realize. It's it's not just hitting that goes into playing a catcher. I mean, the Pirates have had some historically bad hitting catchers lately. Um, and, and you can talk about Austin Hedges and, and Jason DeLay all you want as far as those are, as far as that is concerned. But it's so much more as a catcher, you have to call the game. You're, and that matters because that, the Pirates as a whole allow their catchers to call the game and, and set up that game plan and, and what mode of attack pitchers like Mitch Keller are, are going to be in. So that's why when Mitch Keller says Hedges called a great game, that's why. It, it, that stuff matters. It's the receiving. It's, you know, Henry Davis is, is a guy that starts on one knee. That's not always great when there are runners on base, um, you know, as far as moving laterally. It's it's just being able to move like that, that he's not quite major league ready yet. Could he play and do that at, in AAA? Yes, probably. Um, but it's better to learn in Altoona rather than learning in Pittsburgh and, and being thrown in that in that fire right away. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody wants to see a bat up there, and everybody knows the bat could probably play. But, I mean, the big thing is, for me, is, like, is the right field position. Like, is that a way to get him up to Pittsburgh, or is that just something that they're giving him, like, you know, a little bit of a blow in Altoona? I mean, that's, I think that's tough because you look at the way the Pirates roster is constructed. Andrew McCutcheon isn't supposed to DH every day. I, I'm 90, 95% sure without knowing Derek Shelton and Ben Sherrington's like, plans for that for McCutcheon is he's supposed to be in right field every so often too. But because, you know, G-Man Choi gets hurt, it changes things up a little bit um, as far as what they want to do with the DH position. But if I'm them, if I'm the Pirates organization, if I'm calling him up, it's to play every day, and it's not to send him back down unless he is absolutely being terrible at the plate, and I don't think that's going to happen. But at the same time, you can't learn on the fly with a raw raw outfielder or a raw catcher because, like I said, there's so much more that goes into it. But I think right now it's to give him some blows and just prove that he's a little bit more versatile, but it also gives him a chance to see the game in, in a different way where he's, you know, catching you're in it every pitch but in the outfield you just you have to be ready every pitch but you're not always going to get the ball so i think it's just kind of a nice little change of pace uh and by design for sure yeah and for me the biggest thing is right now is i mean like we're hoping that you know some of the success can continue in pittsburgh some of the success can continue with i mean you don't want you know you don't want Henry to hit like you know 250 and be struggling down Altoona. I mean, like what what he's doing is a good thing. We're hoping that Andy, you know, can turn stuff around. I mean, he's had an injury, different stuff like that. Like people are just like, 
I don't know if they're hoping or wishing for injuries or wishing for whatever, but you're wishing for all of your players where at whatever level they're at to be hitting well. And what I'm hoping for is, you know, for Jared to have good stuff to write about for the Altoona mirror. I'm hoping that, you know, there's good stuff going on there. Jared, it has been great to talk to you and I hope we can do this, you know, soon. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for it, man. Anytime. And I selfishly I want Henry Davis to stay in Altoona as long as possible. He's a fun player to watch. <laughs> um, but I know that's not that's not realistic. But but no, it, it was fun talking. I'm I'm more than available anytime. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh we're gonna go do some beer reviews here now. And uh everybody, we're gonna talk about some more minor league baseball next weekend. A Sorry, everybody. I couldn't find the button over there. I was trying to press it, but uh, we're talking about beer here. And one of my favorite breweries, and it was one of the, uh, I, I don't know if it was the initial brewery that got like signed to PNC Park, but everybody saw the Firehouse Red from the brewery up in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Everybody saw that, the Firehouse Red. From North Country Brewing, it came into Pennsylvania, you know, it was coming to PNC Park very early. That was one of my favorite beers. It's one of my brother-in-law's favorite beers. And that one right here, on the weighted on base average, I gave it a 350. I'm not a big, you know, that red ale. It's got a little bit of a bite to it. Everybody loves it. I give it a 350 on the batting average. It's a 325 on the weighted on base average. The Buck Snort Stout was next one I tasted. That one, I think it's a Buck Rub. I'm pretty sure as a hunter that the does, they give more of the snout. They give more of the... But you know what? I'd call it the buck rub snout. They call it the buck snout stout. I gave it a 325, but that one's got to be marked up because I'm not much of a snout guy. And that one comes up to 375. One of my favorite beers ever come out of this, this brewery is the Stinky Hippie. And I'm not a Stinky Hippie, but it's got this dank... They call it the dank. It's an American pale ale. When you say it has a dank feel to it, it has like a a little bit of a bite to it. That's a 425 for me. Weighted on base average, that's about a 375. The backpack stash. I actually love the, the name of this one because like you can throw this in your cooler, in your backpack, do whatever with it. It also tastes really good. I gave this about a 400. 350 weight on base average. And I know there's another. 
it might be a, a podcast. These guys. Gadjagoff.com. This is my spot. Yajagoff. This is my spot, Yajagoff. It's an American Pale Ale, 375. I'll put that down to about a 350. Good beer. Good tasting. Maybe get a Henry Davis and uh any Rodriguez up to uh Pittsburgh as soon as possible, but let's save him a spot, yeah, Jagoff. All right, guys. Let's go Indians. Let's go curve. Let's go hoppers. Let's go marauders. And we'll talk to you guys next week.